When passion, perseverance, and performance join forces, success is born. When your lifestyle is cultivated around physical and mental well-being, winning is inevitable. If you're somebody who likes to set goals and crush them too, you've come to the right place. This is putting yourself first. This is motivation. This is the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. This is Julie, your host, here to bring you weekly wellness tips to help you live happier, healthier, and make real progress towards your goals. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you jumped over to Spotify, Apple, or your favorite platform and left a rating or review so that I can help reach more listeners and hear about what you're enjoying about the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Today's conversation is about being kind to your mind. This is something that is on my mind a lot lately as I navigate a busy season, as I pursue different goals and dreams, and especially as I talk to people every single day about prioritizing health and wellness. And I think a lot of the conversation that's typically had around health and wellness is centered around physical health and well-being, which is by far a keystone, very important, very large aspect of overall health and wellness. But we're so much quicker to make adjustments or create habits around exercise or nutrition or sleep or these things that are good for us physically without paying much mind to our mind, our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being, the things that go on between the ears. And for a lot of us who feel stuck in life or stuck especially in health and fitness, I think that being kind to our mind is something that is oftentimes missed and might be the thing that you're missing in order to truly get from where you are now to where you want to be. We deliberately go out of our way to take care of our physical health. And my goal for this episode is to inspire and encourage you to pay that same attention to your mind and your mental well-being. So when we talk about this concept of being kind to your mind... I like to explain it in a way that makes sense to a lot of people, which is discussing it in terms of your physical health or similar to your physical health. Let's take exercising, for example. Many of us exercise, we go to the gym, we lift weights, maybe we go for runs. And physical exercise helps us to build resilience and increase our body's capacity for doing work and handling obstacles. Being kind to your mind and training your mind is very similar. When we go to the gym and we're actually doing the work, changes don't happen in those moments, right? Like you might feel better, you get that dopamine hit, you get some blood flow, but the changes that you're oftentimes looking for in your physical health, you don't see them the second that you walk out of the gym. You don't do the sit-ups and then walk out with a six-pack, The changes that happen to our physical health from things that we do to improve it take time. And in the moments that we're actually doing the work, that we're doing the deadlifts, that we're running the sprints, that we're doing the Peloton class, 
That shit is hard. It's uncomfortable. But as a result of that discomfort comes growth. The deadlifts that you practice now, that hurt now, that take you out of breath now, are going to prepare you for months down the road when you have to help somebody move or you have to lift heavy boxes at work or when you get sick and you're going to be more resilient against that. Similarly, when we train our mind in the moments that we do so, it's uncomfortable and it's hard. But doing it over and over again consistently on a relatively daily basis is going to create that same resilience so that it doesn't take only a little bit to knock you off your feet. Your brain, your mind, your soul, everything is stronger and more able to withstand hardship. We know that hardship and struggle is an inevitable part of the human experience. Unfortunately, we all suffer in some way, shape, or form. And because of that, suffering isn't something that we should run from. Difficulty isn't something that we should run from. It's something that we should face head on and process as it comes. And mindfulness can help us do just that. So many of us, because of the nature of the world that we live in, are caught in this constant cycle of busyness. We wake up in the morning to a blaring alarm and we rush to get ready for work And then we go and work for eight or nine or 10 hours, which is full of responsibilities and doing things for other people and making money for other people. And then we finally get home feeling exhausted to scroll through our phones while we eat dinner. And then before you know it, it's time to go to bed and wake up and do it all over again. Think about how much time you truly spend with yourself during the day. Many of us don't get that time but we can make it ourselves. And not only are we overwhelmed by busyness, but those of us who struggle with things like anxiety or sadness or just don't feel like we're at a place in our life that we're really proud of, we seek external validation to try to help us through that. We turn to Google or podcasts or people on Instagram or YouTube videos To try to get the answers for what is truly going to make us happy. But what if the answer that you're looking for already lies within you? What if what it is that you're seeking is already within you, but you're not giving yourself a chance to connect with it and hear it and implement it into your life? What if you listen to what your mind wants to tell you? Even though that sounds kind of scary. And I'll be fully transparent, when I first dove into mindfulness, it was really hard because it was the first time that I spent time with some of these thoughts that I've been having. It kind of forces you to like push through the closet in the back of your mind and sift through racks of clothes and high boxes and move things out of the way and actually see like what's hiding back there, like what's cluttering your mind, what's keeping you so unfocused, what's keeping you unhappy. It's hard work, but it's so worth it when you gain the clarity that you're looking for by addressing that head on because nobody's going to do that work for you. So when it comes to being kind to your mind, there are two practices that I use in my life in order to do so. And this is not something that I've gotten perfectly good at. It's always easier to work on physical health. It's always easier to go in the gym and get the wad done and hang out with your buddies 
or, you know, meal prep the food and put them all in your little containers and post it on Instagram. Like that stuff is way easier. And for some people more enjoyable. Mindfulness is hard. It can be boring. It can cause anxiety sometimes depending on what your thoughts are. But listen in to the two ways that I implemented into my life and hopefully it will encourage you to spend some time being kind to your mind this week. The first practice that I have to be kind to my mind is gratitude. If you've been following me for a while and you know a bit about my gratitude practice, as I record this, I am seven days away from day 1000 of daily gratitude journaling. And if you're listening to this, check out next week's episode for a special edition um, all about my gratitude practice. But let's speak a bit about this. For me personally, my gratitude involves sitting down each morning and journaling five things that I'm grateful for from the previous 24 hours of my life. I first became interested in gratitude journaling after hearing about some really cool neuroscience showing that gratitude, when practiced on a consistent basis, can actually create neurochemical changes. Like they've done brain mapping studies where they see physical changes in the brain in people who practice gratitude. Essentially, they see that the happiness pathways in your brain get stronger. It's almost like growing a happiness muscle inside of you. In the same way that you go to the gym and you train arms and you do your bicep curls and week after week, you're like, oh, cool. I got 20 reps today instead of 15 or, oh, maybe let's bump up to the 20s instead of the 12 pound weights. You see that progress from putting in the work consistently. Gratitude does that same thing to your brain, which is super cool. And the other thing about gratitude is as these pathways get stronger and as you intentionally pick out parts of your day that you're grateful for, those pathways become so well-traveled that suddenly joy is all around you. Truly, when you start seeking gratitude and joy, gratitude and joy will seek you. An example that I love to give to describe this is think about the last time that you went car shopping. For me, this was like three and a half years ago. I was buying my first car and I was between the Hyundai HRV and the Hyundai Kona. Two cars that honestly I really hadn't heard of before I started car shopping. Never noticed them before. The day after I went car shopping and I'm faced with this decision of which one am I going to choose, all I saw were Hyundai HRVs and Hyundai Konas. Like everywhere I went, I was like, oh, there's a blue HRV, there's a gray Kona. They were everywhere. And in my head, I was like, wow, how have I never noticed these cars before? Now, is it likely that there was this like big surge in people purchasing these two models of cars? No, it's because my brain was suddenly diverting its attention to this topic. And now those cars were all around me. Gratitude is just like that. When you start intentionally spending time with positive thoughts, moments in your day that bring you joy, you're going to find them so easily. You're going to walk outside and like truly appreciate the weather and feel that deeply. You're going to have a great conversation with somebody in a store. You're going to have a friendly cashier and it's going to bring you so much more joy than it did before because your brain is seeking that. It really is such a cool way to be kind to your mind because in moments that you're feeling joyous, 
in moments that you're expressing gratitude, your brain can't pay attention to negativity. As much as we think we can multitask, and I'm guilty of this, our brain really can't. You might feel like you're multitasking because your mind is jumping from thing to thing to thing, but in reality, our brains can only focus its attention on one thing at a time. So the more joy that you find in your day, the more joy you're going to feel throughout your day and the happier that that's going to make you. Gratitude is by far one of the most life-changing things I've ever done, and it's so easy to implement. Such a cool way to be kind to your mind, and especially be kind to others when you share that gratitude. The second practice that I have in my life to be kind to my mind is meditation. Meditation is something that I've spoken about in lengths before and will continue to do so in the future as I learn more and more about this practice, but it has taught me to not be afraid of what's going on in between my ears. It's so easy to avoid that self-talk, that inner voice, because of all of the stimulation that we have around us. But if you're somebody who's a high achiever, I know that that brain of yours is cluttered. I know that every like seven seconds, you're thinking of a new problem that you want to solve or a new dream that you want to chase. I feel you if that resonates with you. And that can be overwhelming. It can be difficult to find clarity in the excitement and the passion of your life. And meditation is the perfect way to observe what the heck is going on between those ears of yours. I can tell you, in this brain, there's a lot going on. Sometimes it's very overwhelming, and meditation is a way that I sift through that. The way that I like to describe meditation, and I, I think I got this from Headspace back when I first started, is picture yourself sitting on the side of a river, like a big, wide river that's flowing nicely. You're sitting and you're just kind of watching. And now imagine there's objects floating down the river. Boats or boxes or rafts or kids playing, like whatever it might be. There's just stuff in that river. Meditation is kind of like sitting on the side of the river and watching all of these things pass by and deciding whether or not you want to engage with them and deciding which ones are most worth your attention. Maybe as you sit or stand by the side of the river, you you see a box floating by, and you're like, huh, that looks interesting. And you grab the box, and you hold it, and you feel how much it weighs, and you turn it on its side, and you observe the colors and the textures. Maybe you see that it's from somebody interesting, and you open it up to see what's inside, and then you start thinking about that thing. Weird analogy, I know, but that's kind of what happens with your thoughts when you meditate. You're watching all of these things come and go. Some are happy thoughts. Some are anxious thoughts. Some are people or memories that you haven't thought about in like years. And you're like, huh, what are you doing here? And just like if you were standing on the side of the river and you were within reach of grabbing things, you can decide to just watch it drift off and come back to yourself and center yourself or you can engage. The other analogy I like to use is pretending that you are organizing a closet. You know like that one space in your home that is just holding everybody's junk 
it's become, you know, the quote-unquote storage space, but, like, you don't actually know what's in there. That's what I'm talking about. That's what your brain is like. So you're standing in front of this closet, and things are piled on each other in a way that you don't even understand how it's all in there. It looks like it's going to collapse any second. So you stand in front of the closet, and you look at each object, and you're like, hmm, haven't seen that shirt in a while. Let's take it out. Let's look at it. Let's try it on. Do I want to keep it? Do I want to get rid of it? Do I want to wear it again? Maybe you see a box and you open it up and you see a bunch of um, childhood pictures. And you can either dive into those and reminisce or you can put it back up and, and put it away because that's not really something that you want to emotionally engage with right now. Your brain is like that messy closet that needs to be organized. And as you organize those thoughts and you pick up one box and you look at it, and you see those childhood memories, and you're like, "Mm, I don't really want to engage with this right now. You let it go, and you move deeper into the next thing. And you make your way through this metaphorical closet until you find what it is that's truly holding you back, or what it is that truly excites you, or what it is that's maybe at the root of your anxieties and your fears. Meditation allows that to happen and as you can tell from these analogies meditation is an active process as much as it's about slowing down and relaxing and engaging in some parasympathetic activity in my opinion meditation is work it's not easy to sit there for 15 minutes not just because it's kind of boring or because i'm the kind of person who can't sit still but because it's hard to deal with those things So understanding that when you engage in this regularly, it gets easier. You notice patterns. You notice how much you're thinking about being outside. And then you say, oh man, I've been depriving myself of sunlight lately. Maybe that'll be what I need to boost my energy. Or maybe as you meditate, you keep going over the same scenario in your head of a fight that you got in with a friend. And it keeps coming up and you keep trying to push it away. But that box keeps reappearing in your closet that's a sign that maybe it's time to face it. Meditation is giving me has given me so much clarity in my life about decisions that I want to make or people that I want to grow closer to or dreams that I want to follow. And it's so easy to engage in. There are so many ways that you can practice meditation and connect with that inner voice or that higher power. You can do it seated. You can go for a walk without a podcast or music. You can do a guided meditation with an app like Headspace or 10% Happier or Calm. Or you can just sit in silence, in stillness, which is a form of meditation that I'm going to start doing more of. I love the guided meditations because they give me structure. But I'm excited and curious to dive into true silence something that's come up in a few conversations recently and see what doors that opens up for me. So gratitude and meditation, two principles that you can follow to be kinder to your mind. And like we said before, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a high achieving individual, I know that you've got 18 different thoughts on your brain right now. And just like you regularly take time to exercise, and fuel your body well, you meal prep, you get your seven hours of sleep, you wear your sleep mask, you eat your fruits and veggies, you do all of these things. 
but you still don't feel like you are where you want to be. There is still a gap between the person that you are now, who's probably come pretty damn far, so give yourself credit, but there's a gap between the person that you are now and the person that you truly want to be. Being kind to your mind will help you get there. And if it's not currently a part of your life, I promise it's going to unlock so many doors for you. And if you truly want to show up for the people in your life, if you're somebody who loves your job like I do, and you have relationships that you really care about, if you want to pour into others the best you can, one of the best ways to pour into yourself is a mindfulness practice to refill that cup. Over the last two years since I've been engaging in mindfulness, these small yet powerful parts of my day have been so transformative. I'm not perfect at it, and I'm talking to myself here too, but I can promise you that if you engage in either one of these, you are going to be happy with the clarity that it brings. So my goal of the week for you this week is to think about how you can be kind to your mind. Where can you put this into your week? Is it in the morning when you're having your coffee, you decide to keep your phone away and sit by the window and enjoy the coffee, just you and your latte and the background noises and the birds chirping outside? Maybe that's going to be mindfulness for you. Maybe you go to TJ Maxx or Home Goods and find a cute journal and start writing down three things that you're grateful for every day before you go to bed. Maybe you decide to start walking more. And maybe as you walk, you talk with yourself. You pray to your higher power. You reason things out in your brain or out loud. Whatever mindfulness looks like for you, or whichever one seems like the most doable to try, I want to hear about it. And I want you to stick to it for at least 30 days to see its power. Because just like you can't have one workout and expect that six-pack, you can't engage in mindfulness once or twice or three times and expect to have this revelation. It's got to be on the regular. So let me know how you are going to practice mindfulness this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I cannot wait to hear how you are going to be kind to your mind this week. You can reach out to me on Instagram at goalsetmindset underscore JB. I would love to discuss this topic further and it is as it is definitely something that I am passionate about. If you're enjoying the show, I would love if you subscribed on your favorite platform so that I can help reach more people like you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.